0: Hello and welcome to History Tea Time, I'm Lindsay Holliday and I'm spilling the tea on history. My last two Christmas YouTube specials explored festive menus and traditions enjoyed by Queen Victoria and her grandson Kaiser Wilhelm of Germany. This year I decided to reach further back in time and see what Henry VIII was eating during the Yuletide season. But as often happens once i get neck deep in research i discovered there was simply too much fascinating information to stuff into a single episode so I decided to focus one episode on Henry's Fabulous Feast and another on the traditions surrounding the 12 Days of Christmas in the broader Middle Ages. I'm releasing the 12 Days of Medieval Christmas episode on YouTube and on the podcast this year, but I'm saving the video about Henry VIII's Feast for December 2023. However, as a special holiday treat for my podcast listeners, you can tune in next week to hear all about Henry VIII's Fabulous feast of mince pies, gingerbread, swan, brawn, and boar's head, all washed down with copious quantities of mead. Listen to the end of this holly jolly episode to hear me sing my rewritten, more historically accurate, version of the 12 Days of Christmas song. And now, without further ado... The 12 Days of Medieval Christmas We're all familiar with the Christmas carol, The Twelve Days of Christmas, but in the Middle Ages, this extended holiday looked a bit different. There were plenty of lords a-leaping and ladies dancing, but the only partridge was trussed up on the king's table, next to the swans a-swimming, in gravy. And the gold rings were baked in the Christmas pudding medieval people dropped their plows wrapped their spinning wheels in holly and ivy and took 12 days off from christmas day to epiphany on january 6th as the yule log crackled in the fire they feasted played games and sports attended mass enjoyed subversive revelry and imbibed gallons of wassail It all culminated into the most raucous party of the year on Twelfth Night. So deck your halls, mull some wine, and cut a slice of mince pie as we join in the celebrations of the 12 days of medieval Christmas. Advent From the fourth Sunday before Christmas, which falls between November 27th and December 3rd until Christmas Day, is the time of Advent on the Christian calendar. From the Latin adventus, meaning arrival, it marks the period of waiting for the birth of Christ. In 567, the Council of Tours ordered monks to fast every day in December until Christmas by the middle ages most christians were fasting during this time this meant no meat cheese or eggs peasants rarely ate meat anyway and nobility swapped in fish but fasting also meant refraining from sex and the general mood of austerity and penitence got everyone excited for a big blowout beginning on christmas day During the preparations, December 21st was the feast of St. Thomas the Apostle. He traveled as far as India to spread the gospel, so on this day, poor people went door to door to ask their neighbors for donations towards their own Christmas dinners. The traditional offering was a bowl of flour. December 24th, Christmas Eve. On this day, houses and churches were decorated with plants that were still green in December, primarily holly and ivy, but bay, rosemary, pine, and other evergreens were used. In addition to looking festive, these herbs filled a home with lovely scents northern europeans have been decking their halls with boughs of holly since ancient pagans celebrated the festival of yule christians rebranded holly to represent christ's crown of thorns the berries were droplets of blood ivy represents god's gift holly was considered a male plant and ivy female so a lot of ivy was a sure sign that the woman of the house wore the britches Ancient Druids used mistletoe to make fertility potions during their midwinter festival. Many churches still won't allow this berry in their Christmas decorations, but common people kissed under mistletoe because of its supposed powers of fertility. A popular medieval decoration was a kissing bough. Two wooden hoops were placed together and wrapped with evergreens. An apple or pomander was placed in the center, and a spring of mistletoe hung from the bottom. Couples would kiss under the bough, and each time a smooch was claimed, the gentleman would pluck a berry from the bough. Once the berries were gone, no more kissing. Single women would wrap three smooth holly leaves, the female variety, in a handkerchief and place it under their pillow in the hopes that they would dream of their future husband. It was considered good luck to bring greenery into the home on Christmas Eve, but bad luck to do it any sooner. Medieval people would be shocked by how early decorations go up now. Another Christmas tradition, which dates back to pagan times, is the Yule Log. Men would fell a very large tree and drag it into the hall. There it would burn and provide light and warmth for all 12 days of Christmas. Everyone was expected to cease working for the entirety of Christmastide. In an agrarian society, there was less to do in midwinter. Harvest had already been taken in and stored, animals slaughtered, and fields laid fallow for the coming spring. Shorter days meant less light for building, minting, and craft work. Of course, there were a few jobs that wouldn't wait until Epiphany. Breedstock animals still needed to be fed, meals cooked and cleaned up after, and children minded. These chores generally fell to the women in the house, who never got quite as leisurely a holiday as the menfolk. But there were a few jobs the ladies could put off. They decorated their spinning wheels with Christmas greenery so that they would be unable to use them and could put off at least this chore until January 6th. At the end of a long day of preparation, everyone dressed in their finest clothes and journeyed to church for midnight mass. This service heralded the birth of Christ, said to have been born in a manger at midnight. The candlelit service and tolling bells kicked off the 12 days of Christmas. December 25th, Christmas Day, first day of Christmas. After a quick sleep, everyone returned for Mass at dawn, which luckily came a bit later in midwinter. Then the celebrations would kick off with a massive breakfast feast. Plum porridge, a thick meat broth made with dried fruits, spices, and wine, kicked off the meal. Mince pies have been popular in England since crusaders brought the recipe from the Middle East in the 1000s. They called for dried fruits and spices, which had to be imported at great expense. Medieval people prized these luxury ingredients and saved up to afford them at Christmas, which is why we still strongly associate these flavors with the holidays. An evolution of minced pie is plum pudding. The ingredients are similar, but the pudding is boiled in a cloth bag rather than baked in a crust. According to custom, each family member takes a turn to stir the ingredients from east to west to honor the journey of the Magi. The pudding is traditionally made with 13 ingredients to represent Jesus and the 12 apostles, including lamb suet in remembrance of the shepherds who visited the manger. A coin for prosperity, a ring for marriage, and a thimble for luck are mixed in. The pudding is soaked in brandy, decorated with a sprig of holly, and set on fire when it's presented to the table. Plum pudding remains a popular Christmas dessert in the UK today, though it typically comes meat-free. In the halls of the wealthy, the centerpiece of the Christmas feast was a wild boar's head, decorated with holly and served with mustard sauce. This tradition dates back to King Henry II in the 1100s. There is even a Christmas carol that was sung as the head was carried into the great hall and presented to the excitement of the assemblage when thus be decked with a gay garland. Let us serve Icaria to call. but a up your dead red and slawed The rich also enjoyed roast venison, swan, peacock, turkey, and game birds as well as sweets like marzipan and sugar plate made from expensive imported sugar. For common people, meat was a luxury, but at Christmas, they would splash out and enjoy the more humble Christmas poultry, the goose. Gingerbread was a quintessential Christmastide sweet across Europe. The zesty biscuits were especially popular, painted and hung in windows as decorations. The Christmas Day feast lasted for hours. As more mead, ale, and wine was consumed, it transformed into a raucous party. In an echo of the Roman festival of Saturnalia, during which masters waited on their slaves for a day, a peasant would be selected as the lord of misrule. He had permission to order his master around during the holidays. He would supervise revelry, order games to be played, and generally promote chaos. If things were getting dull, the lord could order someone to perform a trick, like hopping on one foot or talking backwards. Medieval people found this act of twisting the rigid social order delightfully subversive. Henry VII loved it and had a lord of misrule and an abbot of unreason. Elizabeth I disliked the public disorder the tradition caused and banned the practice. After a hearty multi-hour meal and plenty of booze, everyone waddled to mass one more time to end the day. December 26, the Feast of St. Stephen, second day of Christmas. According to the book of Acts of the Apostles, Stephen was a deacon in the early Christian church in Jerusalem, just one generation after the death of Christ. He was known for helping the poor. He angered Jewish authorities and was stoned to death, becoming the first martyr to the Christian faith. Today, he is most familiar for his name drop in the carol, Good King Wenceslas.
1: Good King Wenceslas looked out on the feast of Stephen, when the snow lay round about, deep and crisp and even. Brightly shone the moon that night, though the frost was cruel, when a poor man came inside, gathering winter fuel.
0: Wenceslas I was the Duke of Bohemia from 921 to 935. In the song, the king and a servant brave harsh winter weather to deliver alms to the poor on the Feast of St. Stephen. In the Middle Ages, this day was for charity. The leftovers from the Christmas feasts of the wealthy, aka Dole, were given away. Lords and landowners threw feasts for their tenants, and church alms boxes were opened and money shared out. This is likely why December 26th is referred to as Boxing Day in the UK, though the day is now all about shopping. Wenceslas I came to a bloody end when his younger brother betrayed him and ran him through with a lance. He is the patron saint of the Czech Republic. December 27th, the Feast of St. John, third day of Christmas. John the Evangelist is said to have been challenged to drink a cup of poison wine to demonstrate the power of his faith. Thanks to God's aid, the poison was rendered harmless. Thus, medieval Christians celebrated this miracle by drinking a lot of wine. On mainland Europe, wine was local and plentiful. However, in England, only the wealthy could afford to import the good stuff. Less August persons rang in the third day of Christmas with ale or lamb's wool, a drink made from adding spices and apples to beer. December 28th, Childer Mass, fourth day of Christmas. Childer commemorates the massacre of the holy innocents. According to the Gospel of Matthew, while the Magi were following the star on their way to visit the newborn Messiah, they stopped at the palace of Herod, the king of Judea, to ask for directions. When the king learned that the prophesied king of the Jews had been born, he was threatened. He ordered his soldiers to go to Bethlehem and slaughter every male child under the age of two. Joseph was warned in a dream to take Mary and Jesus and flee to Egypt, and so the Messiah was saved. But the other infant sons of Bethlehem were not. The haunting Coventry Carol, sung from the perspective of a mother lulling her slain child to sleep, would have been particularly poignant to medieval mothers who often lost children to disease. On this day, children were in charge of their parents. Schoolboys would shut their schoolmasters out until they agreed to hand out fewer punishments or give more holidays. In church, a member of the choir was chosen to be a boy bishop. He was dressed in new robes, performed church services, and preached a sermon. Boy bishops were given money or gifts for doing a good job. The idea of giving children presents at Christmas didn't evolve until the Victorian era, but perhaps getting one day a year to be in charge and run wild made up for it. In medieval England and France, Mass was said to be an unlucky day when no new projects should be started. In Spain, Latin America, and the Philippines, December 28th is still a day for pranks, similar to April Fool's Day. Young pranksters are called inocentadas, and their victims must not be angry since they could not possibly have committed a sin. Each year in the town of Ibe, Spain, people dress up in full military uniforms and incite a massive food fight. Being a part of a royal family might seem enticing, but more often than not, it comes at the expense of everything else, like your freedom, your privacy, and sometimes even your head. Wondery's new podcast, Even the Royals, pulls back the curtain on royal families past and present from all over the world, to show you the darker side of what it means to be royalty. From icons like Grace Kelly, Oscar-winning actress turned princess of Monaco, she mastered playing a happy wife and mother, but beneath it all was desperately lonely. Or King Ludwig II of Bavaria, he was only 18 when his father died, leaving him the crown and duty he never wanted. He refused to lead and used the royal treasury to further his extreme love of opera. But this choice eventually cost him the crown and his life. Follow Even the Royals on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge Even the Royals ad-free right now on Wondery+.
1: Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands.
0: December 29th, Feast of St. Thomas Becket, fifth day of Christmas. This day marks the Feast of St. Thomas Becket. He was the son of a London merchant who rose to become an advisor to King Henry II. He was appointed Bishop of Canterbury, but then got into conflict with the king over the rights of the church and state. On December 29th, 1170, Henry supposedly uttered, Who will rid me of this troublesome priest? Four loyal knights took him at his word, marched to the cathedral, and sliced off the top of Becket's head. Soon after his death, Thomas was canonized and cult-like worship grew up around him and his bones, which were placed in a gold-plated, bejeweled shrine. His feast day was celebrated with yet another mass and massive meal. December 30th, 6th Day of Christmas A few days during the Christmas season weren't tied to a saint's feast or specific meaning. They were just rare days off to relax and enjoy leisure activities. A custom enjoyed by rich and poor throughout Christmastide was wassailing. A large wooden bowl was filled with up to a gallon of hot ale or cider, sugar, spices, and apples, with a crust of bread at the bottom. It was offered to the most senior person in the household first, who would shout "Wassail," Anglo-Saxon for good health, then have a gulp and pass it on. Wassailers would go door to door, offering a swig from the bowl in exchange for food. As they went, they would sing carols. We wish you a Merry Christmas, ding dong merry on high, and here we come a wassailing, all have their roots in medieval times.
1: Here we come a-wasselling among the leaves so green. Oh, here we come a-wandering so fair to be seen. Love and joy come to you, and to you your wassail too. And God bless you and send you a
0: When the wassail bowl was drained, the booze-drenched bread at the bottom would be offered to the most senior person. This tradition is likely the origin of giving toasts or speeches at parties. Puritans hated raucous Christmas celebrations and banned the holiday altogether when they took over England in 1649. Those caught wassailing were arrested and soldiers banged on shop doors to demand they stay open on Christmas. Everyone's depression about missing the 12-day holiday was a big reason why the Puritan regime only lasted a decade. Caroling eventually came back in the Victorian era, but perhaps because we now know how germs spread while sailing has yet to make a comeback, though it is likely an origin of trick-or-treating at Halloween. December 31st, New Year's Eve, seventh day of Christmas. This day was for playing games, sports, and hunting. Nobles who had plenty of leisure time pursued these activities year-round, but Christmas games were livelier than ever. Many playground games we know today, like Blind Man's Bluff, aka Tag, and Hide and Seek, began as medieval Christmas games. The Victorian era was a golden age for parlor games, particularly at Christmas, but in the 20th century, games fell to the wayside, as families more often gathered around the warming glow of the television. To make sure peasants weren't lying about the rest of the year, Henry VIII passed a law that working men could only play certain games during the 12 days of Christmas. These included dice, cards, tennis, bowls, and football. He wanted to ensure his army always had good ammunition, so archery was the only sport which could be enjoyed the rest of the year, and on Christmas Day itself. January 1st, New Year's Day, 8th day of Christmas. In most of medieval Europe, a new year was considered to have begun on March 25th, not January 1st. This was a holdover from pagan times when the year started with the arrival of spring. The day was Christianized as the Feast of the Annunciation, when Mary was told by the angel Gabriel that she would give birth to Christ. But medieval people still did celebrate the Roman festival of New Year on January 1st. Why ring in the New Year only once when you can do it twice? They Christianized it as the Feast of the Circumcision of Jesus. January 1st is the eighth day after December 25th, when Jewish baby boys are traditionally circumcised in a ceremony called a bris. As the nations of Europe swapped from the ancient Roman Julian calendar to the more accurate Gregorian calendar, they also changed the day of their new year to January 1st. Germany made the swap first in 1556, while Britain held out until 1752. In Tudor England, New Year's Day was the traditional time for giving gifts. For the most part, only upper-class people could afford to give presents, but these weren't toys for children or something sentimental for your spouse. New Year's presents were highly political, and they flowed up the feudal hierarchy. Knights and merchants gave gifts to their lords to curry favor, and nobles were expected to present a gift to the monarch in view of the whole court courtiers broke the bank trying to impress the king and everyone else. Henry VIII raked in gold cups, paintings, purses of coins, trained hunting dogs, and even wild animals. One year he received a pet marmoset. January 2nd, 9th day of Christmas, January 3rd, 10th day of Christmas, and January 4th, 11th day of Christmas were more rare days off to pursue leisure activities. From the 13 to 1700s, Northern Europe experienced a mini ice age. In winter, it was cold enough for the River Thames to freeze over. People held markets called frost fairs out on the ice. They practiced archery and played football on the frozen river. The closest thing to medieval football is rugby. The game was chaotic and had few rules. After three days of unstructured fun, everyone was ready for the biggest party of the year. January 5th, 12th night, 12th day of Christmas. Medieval people celebrated the last day of Christmastide with a big blowout bash. At royal courts, masks were performed. These lavish plays involved music, dancing, singing, and acting, with elaborate set design and costumes. Professional actors and musicians were brought in, and members of the court often performed as well. Anne Boleyn impressed Henry VIII early on in their courtship with her elegant dancing, and all that prancing about made courtiers famished for yet another lavish feast. In 1532, a temporary kitchen was set up at Greenwich Palace to make 200 dishes to serve to all the guests for Twelfth Night. Commoners also led loose with feasts, parties, singing carols, dancing, and games. Revelers dressed up in costumes and masks. Twelfth Night was a popular date for wassailing. Essential to the celebrations was the Twelfth Night Cake. This giant, fruit-filled brioche was baked with a bean and a pea hidden in each half of the cake. Men and women took slices from opposite sides. The man who found the bean in his portion was king of the bean, and the lady was queen of the pea. It was their job to host the evening's festivities and keep the fun going into the wee hours. January 6th epiphany the feast of epiphany celebrates the day the three magi arrived to present gifts to the infant christ The Council of Tours proclaimed the 12 days from Christmas to Epiphany as a sacred and festive season. This extended holiday may have been established to solve an administrative problem. At the time, the western half of the Roman Empire followed the solar Julian calendar, while the eastern territories used a lunar calendar. This meant that the two halves of the empire were out of sync by about 12 days a year. By making those days holidays, Roman scribes saved themselves a lot of headaches. In the Middle Ages, mass would be attended and then roast lamb enjoyed. Epiphany tart, a giant jam tart made in the shape of a star, symbolized the celestial body the wise men followed to Bethlehem. What remained of the Yule log would be extinguished and kept in the house for good luck and to cure toothache. It would be reused as kindling to light the next year's yule log the boughs of holly and ivy would be left up until candle on february 2nd but once epiphany came and went the fun and festivities of the christmas season were over almost plow monday in england the monday after epiphany was known as plow monday It was a time for farmers to end their revelries and return to work in preparation for the coming spring the shared community plow was blessed and then young men would drag it around the neighborhood they would ask for money for the parish and threaten to plow up the ground in front of the doors of their neighbors if they didn't cough up king edward vi banned plow monday but it is still celebrated in some small towns in england While getting in the festive spirit and researching this episode, I wondered why the famous carol, The Twelve Days of Christmas, had so little to do with the feasts, saints' days, and raucous parties medieval people really enjoyed. The folk tune doesn't have a known composer, but has been sung by children in England for centuries. There is evidence that it originated in Newcastle. It appears in print in the 1780 songbook, Mirth Without Mischief. This version is similar to the one we know today, except the calling birds were collie birds. However, other variations published in the 18th and 19th centuries have numerous deviations. Alternative gifts include bells a-ringing, bears a-baiting, bulls a-roaring, hares a-running, ships a-sailing, fifers fifing, and some parts of a juniper tree. There is a similar Scottish carol where the king gives his lady gifts for the 13 days of Yule. These presents include stalks of corn, bulls, and an Arabian baboon. In 1979, a conspiracy theory was floated that the gifts were used as a catechism to secretly teach Catholic children their faith while they were being persecuted during the English Reformation. However, there is no historic evidence for this. It is more likely that the 12 gifts were simply a fun rhyme used to help children develop their memories. Knowing what we do about what each day of the real 12 Days of Christmas represented, I've taken the liberty of rewriting the song to be more historically accurate. On the twelfth day of medieval Christmas, my true love gave to me Twelve massive parties, eleven herbs and spices, ten archery arrows, nine saints' bones, eight royal presents, seven swans are roasted, six carol singers, five bowls of wassail, four bishop boys, three minced pies, two alms for the poor, and a boar's head on a bed of holly. Are you keen to incorporate any medieval Christmas traditions into your holiday this year? I'm going to try a medieval mince pie recipe and head to the archery range this December. I wish you and yours a very happy 12 days of Christmas, holiday season, and new year. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and give it a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. I'll be putting out new episodes each Tuesday, revisiting and revamping my most popular YouTube videos. Thank you for listening.
1: Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully, it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. For over a 100 years, the world has been captivated by Hollywood. The uh, stuff that dreams are made of. Where stars are born. Made But just beneath the stardust lie a million more fascinating stories that, when sewn together, form an incredible history. The Secret History of Hollywood, available now wherever you get podcasts.